Well, hey, it's a, it's a great morning for us here at Life Center. Kind of our vision statement as a church is, who knows it, if you know it, say it with me, experiencing the love of God and giving it away. So this morning, we have the privilege of giving it away in such a practical way. This is our annual um, once a year offering that we receive to send to our missionaries that we call lifelines around the world. Did you guys like the video last week? that um, David Moore put together, together with Robbie and Allison, highlighting, kind of showcasing uh, the different types of ministries and people, most all of them through some level of relationship with us that we get to, um, to partner with. How many of you here, for example, have been to, to uh, Mozambique? One, that's what I thought, two, three, Four, five, six, seven. Okay, seven in this whole sanctuary. But today, as we sow into our lifelines, we enter into partnership with Heidi Baker. With Heidi. <laughs> Heidi and I were like this, <laughs> and we get to do it with our in in God's economy. We get to source and resource every project and every missional vision that they have. I love that analogy that David shared last, uh, the quote that he shared last time. If you hold the rope, I will go into the, to the pit. I will go into the pit. So we want to hold that rope and send supplies down the rope, you know, and, and many of them come through here to be refreshed as well. So we'll pull them up as they come through. Um, so, you know, in the, in the video, we, we, you know, we highlighted some of the missions, some of their stories, like Reinhard Hertler talking about the orphans in Brazil, you know, and he changed his whole ministry paradigm in order to give his life. If I'm not doing this, then nothing else, you know, matters. And Liana Cinquanta, who was talking about the fresh water project up in the mountains of the Himalayas with the gravity feed to bring the water to the, to the villages, and it's changing social culture, some of the... Some some of the dire situations in villages. And of course, Heidi Baker and many others like that. So there's, you know, there, there, there's hope as we give to these projects because there's practical things that they're actually tangibly engaged with. Each one is different from the other. Uh, child's, rescuing child soldiers. Um, and all of, their, all of the lifelines that we support are in this booklet. It's available if you didn't grab it last week with pictures and a brief description of what they do. Um, there's also prayer cards. I have my, I pick five every year. It's my five smooth stones and I pray for them each. I have it on my table at work and every week I just flip through and I see them when I sit down. It's a prayer, a continual, uh, foot. You can put it on your fridge, whatever you want to do. Hang it on your, in your car. Doesn't matter. Um, and then on your chairs, there are these envelopes for our offering. We'll receive the offering at the end of my message. Um, so if you have already prepared it, have that ready. If you haven't prepared it, uh, you have full liberty to be completely distracted and you don't have to listen to anything I say while you're preparing what you want uh, the Lord to partner with the Lord in in that way. Is that okay? So all of these missionaries, they give us hope that, wow, God, you're doing, working around the world, and we want to participate this morning with them. But this morning in my message, I want to encourage us not only in the hope of what we see them doing, I want to enlarge, go 
step back a little bit and elevate our own hearts and our experience of sowing into missions by sharing not only the hope, but the scope of what we're doing this morning, the scope of what our missional offering year after year has the power to accomplish. I did a basic math um, uh, earlier this week, and as a church in our history and missions giving started with one part-time missionary to Haiti. I'd like to find out how much we were supporting her the first time that we sent it, sent her money. But now, in our history, we have sent to missions over $3.1 million. Isn't that amazing? Come on, we can, we can give thanks to the Lord that we get to participate. There's no telling. We will never hear $3.1 million worth of stories. But in heaven, we will have story after story after story after story. We get to participate in it. And so we want to take our offering today and put it on the map of what God is doing. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the privilege that we have to partner with you. We ask you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to simply grasp the big picture of your plan. And in our giving into missions today, we become partakers of this glorious divine design on the earth for world redemption in Jesus name. Amen. When uh, the disciples were walking with Jesus, they saw him. They saw how he operated. They saw how he lived. And then they saw the miracles and the signs and wonders of of his ministry. And they're like, maybe it's the way he prays. You know, how does he do what he does? So they said, Jesus, can you teach us? Like, what's your secret? You know, and every time you taste a good meal, what do you want to do? What's the recipe? Right? How do you do this? Um, we had Walt and Deb from our Nepali outreach garden. They took jalapenos from the garden and pickled it with vinegar and wine and garlic. And I tasted it. It was amazing. I'm not even a jalapeno fan. I like spicy food, but not specifically, but that was a crunchy, you know, had, had, had seasoned just enough. The first thing I do is I text them, Hey, what was your recipe? I'm sure I can find it online, but this is proven in the same way. They asked Jesus, how should we pray? We see you're doing this. How do we pray? And this was his answer. We know the beginning, our father, uh, who, who, who art in heaven, how holy is your name. And then he says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And in one, you think it's a simple prayer, but in one statement, in one line of prayer, he opens their understanding that what they are engaged in is, the, is, the, is a marriage or the working, the interplay between two completely separate kingdoms, the kingdom on the earth and the kingdom of God in heaven. And he says, pray like this, let your kingdom that is here in heaven, let it come to earth here among us. It's not a simple prayer. It is a lifestyle call to ask God, let this that we see of an age that is yet to come, let it manifest in my life. So when we pray for healing, we're not just praying for healing. We're asking that kingdom to invade the limitations of this kingdom and prove itself. When we have lack in finances, Naturally, you can't compute. How am I going to get out of this hole? That's when you look to our Father who is in heaven. Holy is your name. Let your kingdom come and invade the limitations and the lack of my finances. And God does miracles. Come on. 
So when we pray, let your kingdom come, it's not just a simple prayer. We're engaging in the absolute function and interplay of heavens, that kingdom that is yet to come in its fullness into our immediate life. And it's first realized when we get saved in an individual way. When we get saved and ask the Lord to come in as a Lord of our lives, that kingdom enters our hearts and our lives. And then when we gather together as a body of Christ corporately, it goes from individual to a corporate reality. We become together the remnant of God on the earth. And when we are the remnant of God, we don't use this word language often, right? We just say, we're a life center, we're a church, all those things. But we're a remnant according to the faith here in Pennsylvania. That means life center is a beacon. It is a lighthouse representing another kingdom here in Pennsylvania. Our authority is not because we are smart. Our authority is because we have invited that glorious kingdom to come and have its way among us. So we become remnants of faith for Pennsylvania. As a church, we become remnants of faith for our entire nation. So from individual to remnant and then for, for the nation as well. Nations are coming into this remnant reality through the messengers we call missionaries and the local body of Christ around the world. So this gospel of the kingdom is an invitation to participate in the age to come. We're inviting that age to, that is not yet in full to come into our immediate culture and invade the spirit of this age. We don't have to battle. The battle is in the heavenlies where kingdoms war, angels are at war, fulfilling the full work, the finished work of the cross. As we say, let your simple prayer, let your kingdom come here in my family. Let your kingdom come in my finances. Let your kingdom come into my children. Let your kingdom come into their future. Thank you, Lord. And when this kingdom comes, what is normal there? What we see here is supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles. What is normal in the kingdom of heaven here, it invades all our limitations and it becomes supernatural testimonies of God. How many have experienced the testimonies? And so the kingdom of God, the understanding is that it has come in its reality. If you've seen testimonies, if you've seen others with testimonies, it has come in its reality, but it hasn't come in its fullness or its totality. The kingdom of God has come in part in its intended reality, but not in the measure of its fullness. It may seem discouraging when you first think about it. Wow, kingdom of God is not fully here. It's available, but it's not manifest in its fullness. You know what it leaves us with? It leaves us with a yearning for more of it. It leaves us with, God, we want more of that kingdom reality. We want more of your providence. We want more of your miracles. We want more of your healing. We want more of your deliverance. We want more of your salvation. That limitation in how much of the kingdom is available leaves us longing for more. Scriptures say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. A teaser. Just a teaser. But who's satisfied with just a teaser? 
right? You taste something that is good. What do you want? More of it, right? Taste, when we see the goodness of God revealed and that kingdom manifest, we say, God, we want more. That's what we're after. We want more of it. So this message this morning in a missional paradigm is titled the return of Yeshua, the return of Jesus, because I have seen him manifest in part in its full reality in my life, in our church and around the world. And we are praying to an extent that Jesus, we ask you, we're praying that you would return to the earth. That's when its fullness comes to us. When the return of Jesus happens to come and rule and reign in the nations of the earth, no matter where your eschatology keeps you this morning, Jesus is coming back. Can we all agree on that? He's coming as a bridegroom. He's coming riding on a, on a, on a white horse with King of Kings and Lord of Lords tattooed on his thigh and blood dripping from his cloak and a sword coming out of his mouth. I don't have a paradigm for that. I don't know what to do with that. My Sunday school flannel board only had a little lammy. He will eternally continue to be the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. But he's coming back as a conquering king to rule and reign over the nations of the earth. So there are two conditions for this return. We see the kingdom in part and we're longing for his return so that with his return, the fullness of the kingdom is manifest here on the earth. So there are two conditions for his return. The first one we are participating in today. The first one is that the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached to the ends of the earth. Here's what it says in Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. We're living in an age right now when that is so accessible. The gospel going to the ends of the world. You can sit in your living room with your feet up, kick, on, kick up on the couch, eating a bag of Doritos. And you can be doing a live stream to Japan. I actually did it with one of our lifelines. Except the Doritos. Just five months ago, there was a global call to pray for, pray for Israel, a fast, 21-day fasting and prayer call. And over 6 million people actually signed up saying, we are committed to praying for Israel over the next 21 days. Come on. And those were only the people who had signed up. We were praying for Israel, and I didn't even sign up. So there are so many more that were praying. Little did they know that what few months later, what we will be facing in, on a global, global level. So the gospel is so accessible today to, fulfill, to be fulfilled to the ends of the earth. And the second one is Israel cries out, Baruch haba Bashem Adonai, which means blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In Matthew 23... 39, Jesus says to them, for I say to you, you shall see me no more until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's phenomenal that we get to receive our missions offering this Sunday 
in light of what is happening in Israel and is affecting globally, is affecting economies and nations and churches and families, that we get to participate, one, actively in the first commission so that the gospel can reach the ends of the earth, and two, through revelation, align our hearts to God's, God's heart for Israel. This phrase, why don't we, you want to learn it? Simple, Baruch haba. Use your, your, your best accent. You can just throw it in there wherever you think it will fit. Baruch haba. Baruch haba. B'shem Adonai. You see, we have a bridal paradigm. We are the bride of God being made ready, and he's coming as our bridegroom, correct? Isn't that what we're longing for? We are the bride of Christ. You see, in, in, in Hebrew, Israeli culture, in every wedding, we have the entrance of the bride. I mean, it's glorious. I cry at every wedding. Today, we're going to a wedding in the afternoon. Two of our greenhouse students are getting married in Maryland. I cry. When the bride, when I see the bride, I'm like, I'm not even, it's not even my bride. I'm like, ah. It's not my daughter. It's not my anyone. I cry. There's something glorious about it. So we have a grand entry for the bride, but the groom, right? There's no music mostly. You know what I mean? They just like walk over, you know, yeah, and they stand. And then all the attention is for the bride, and it should be. But in Hebrew culture, Jewish culture, there's an announcement for the, the bridegroom first to come in to the chuppah or the canopy. You know what the announcement is? Baruch Abah B'Shem Adonai. Blessed is he the, the can, who married us, Avner Boski, Sarah and I. I was ready. I remember walking up these steps of this old restaurant in Cyprus in the mountains. And he said, Baruch Abah B'Shem Adonai. This is the weight of the presence of God. I wasn't expecting. It came on me. Every Jewish wedding for centuries have been proclaiming this. Do you not think that in a moment when at that point when Israel spiritually or physically says Baruch Abah and he comes as our bridegroom, do you not think that all Israel will come into, whoa, this is what we've been waiting for. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. So the stage in our day and time is being set for the return of the Lord. The scope that I want to encourage our hearts with in participating and in sowing into missions is that we are helping to hasten the return of the Lord. We are partnering with him in one half of the requirements that we are sending the gospel to the ends of the earth. The stage is being set. Number one, with Israel. Not just spiritually, the land of Israel has been restored in our lifetime. In 1948, Israel as a land, people came back to identify the little strip that all of us are now aware of more than ever before was given back, was restored back to the Jewish people. Who was, who was born in that time frame era? A, a couple of hands, 1948-ish. Don't be shy. I see some of you. At least one, two. Thank you. In our generation, after 2,000 years, Israel is restored as a nation. In our generation. Since that time till 2023, have you noticed that all of society and culture has accelerated? If you look at life before 1948, I'm just using that as a, as a, as a mile marker. Before that, life seems pretty primitive. 
After that, there's a steady acceleration, including music culture. Right after that, Elvis Presley's on the scene. The Beatles are on the scene. Everything is affecting and shaping and forming culture. There's, a, there's an active push and pull. Who will your alignment and allegiance be for? The land was restored. The language of Hebrew was restored. There was a family that he, he intended to restore the language. His first disciples were his children. And he trained them. They only spoke. He revived it, spoke to his children. And now it's the language, revived language of the land. Most teachers on the last days agree that the restoration of the land of Israel in 1948, after almost 2,000 years, was a significant fulfillment of prophetic scriptures, setting the stage for the last days. And in 1967... Jerusalem came back under Jewish control after a miraculous victory in the Six-Day War. This is important in light of what's happening today. This was a direct fulfillment of Yeshua's statement in Luke 21, 24. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. We're living in that time where the, the time of the Gentile nations, that means just the nations of the earth, that the gospel is coming to its fulfillment. When that happens, in Romans 11 says, all Israel will be saved. And when all Israel is saved, together with the remnant, the body of Christ, there will be worldwide global revival towards his return. I don't want revival just so we can have revival. I want to have revival so that he says, yes, now is the time for me to return. So first, Israel. The stage is being set. Second, there is opportunity because of Israel for us to find alignment. First alignment is personal. Like I shared before, our personal alignment through salvation, we align to Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Second alignment is political. We have a personal alignment to Jesus, but nations have a political alignment out of revelation to be aligned with Israel or not. Do you, know, do you, do you remember how divided our nation was over cultural issues since 2020, especially? Politics, BLM, racial issues. COVID, vaccine, no vaccine, masks, no masks. I mean, entire families were split and divided because of these things. This is nothing compared to what is coming as far as alignment to Israel. Watch the global stage. Watch celebrities making announcements. Hey, I'm for this and I'm, I'm against Israel. I'm for Palestine. I, we love Palestinians. I have sat in Palestinian brothers and sisters' homes. Their mom have cooked me the best meals and we've prayed for them. I've preached with my best translator, a Palestinian Arab preach, pa, priest in the north of Israel. And we have ministered together. We love them dearly. But we're not talking about natural things. We're talking about spiritual dimensions. The spirits that control other religions, Islam and other things that are against. It's not an issue. I'm solely sidetracking here. This issue with Israel and Palestine is not a land issue because the land, the Gaza Strip and the West Bank have been given over to Palestinian authorities five or six different times and they refused peace treaties every single time. It's not about land. It's about taking out the Jewish people. It's pretty strong, but it's very, very, it's very clear. It's not about land. It's about killing and wiping out 
the Jewish people. It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. So there's personal alignment we have to Jesus. Politically, nations have an opportunity to align by revelation to Israel and to God's end time plans. Zechariah 12.3 says, On that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, meaning Israel, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. You know, I'm just trying to have a good Sunday. <laughs> Eagles are playing in Kelly Green tonight. We're, gonna, we're not going to wipe out the Dolphins. We're going to beat the Dolphins <laughs> at 820 tonight. I'm just having to have a good time. But then I read stuff like this. I'm like, oh. And we're not only aligned to Jesus spiritually as a church. There's, we, we, we must, by revelation, get, get God's heart concerning Israel. And align ourselves to Israel practically, physically, spiritually. Why align to Israel? In my reading and study of these things over past 30 years being immersed and being part of a Messianic Jewish movement, my understanding of the end times, eschatology, and specifically the return of Jesus looks something sort of kind of like this picture. This might be more of the visual feeling of... Children, close your eyes. It's pretty intense. I saw two of them go, whoa. This might be more of what he looks like when he returns. You know, he didn't look like what Israel thought he would come like. They were expecting him to come as a political national ruler that looks something like this, but he came riding on a donkey. That's why they missed him. We have the revelation of the Lamb of God. We will still be singing the songs of the Lamb of God eternally. But if we don't have this as part of our understanding, we might miss him too. Did I say that out loud? Shoot. So Israel, alignment, understanding how do we align ourselves. And third is world missions. Jesus, Yeshua, was the first missionary. He didn't just show up. He didn't just appear. He didn't just come. He was sent here. Have you read John 17? It's all red letters. And John 17 is primarily known as the, the unity chapter. It's talking about how, God, you and I are one. And I'm praying, God, Jesus is praying to the Father. I pray that they will be one just as you and I. Have you ever read that chapter? That is, that is not the heart of the chapter. Let's read a few verses. Verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. He's talking in third person here. Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He wants the people to know that he was sent as a missionary to our kingdom from the other kingdom. To invade this kingdom and invite all of us into participating of it, being, participating in that kingdom here on the earth. That you have sent me, verse 8, for I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that, if you see it on there, just say it with me, you sent me. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone but also for those who will believe in me, that's us, through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us, 
All of that union is that the world may believe that you, say it, you sent me. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you sent me. Oh, righteous father, the world has not known you, but I have known you and these have known you that you sent me. He was sent to us as the first missionary, as the first apostle of one kingdom being introduced into another kingdom. And we're participating in an offering today along with these lines. In verse 18, it says, Now, Father, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. How phenomenal is that. He's taking an entire chapter to establish that the, the, the mysterious triune union of the Godhead among themselves and the call for us as a body of Christ, those who believe now and those who will believe in the future, all of us should be in union together so that they know that I was sent by you into this world. And then he says, as you sent me, I send these into the world. So here's a master plan. You ready? You see, concerning the end times, it's a, it's, a, it's a ballpark understanding. What do I mean by that? You hold it loosely. You have an under, no one has the end times accurately defined. If they do, back it up. <laughs> Just back it up slowly. I want to be in the ballpark of understanding concerning the end times. And the end times begins with this in Revelation 1. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's it. And that's what we're handling this morning or trying to grasp the scope of our partnership in the gospel so that Christ is revealed in these last days. So here's a master plan. Israel rejects Jesus as the Messiah. The gospel is preached to the Gentiles in Acts 10. Then the gospel now is being sent to the ends of the earth. Just this year, the greatest prayer gathering ever mobilized. Just this year. Then the call from Romans 11 is that the Gentile church, the believing church worldwide, will provoke Israel to jealousy. We didn't know that there was going to be an attack on Israel Last month I started, we have an apostolic network of pastors and leaders, and I felt from the Lord to begin to teach this after 30 years of being a student of this chapter and this idea and this understanding, the Lord inspired in a moment. I was actually looking for Dan Juster, who came last year, and others to come and introduce it, and the Lord spoke to me, begin to teach it. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I started doing the first, we recorded a seven to eight minute segment out of Romans 11. This is not a plug for my Facebook page, but on my Facebook page, we'll, we'll share it. If you want to study more simple, simplified Romans 11 understanding of the interplay between the church and Israel concerning the last days. We just recorded with Robbie and Allison, the second video. I think it's going to be a short series, six or seven videos. So the Gentile church provokes Israel to jealousy. All Israel is saved, and Israel, together with the, the body of Christ worldwide, we partner in a global harvest towards Yeshua's return to us. Is this a simple, blue, simple overview of what we can expect? Am I just making this up? Is this how it's going to happen? I want to be in the ballpark I shared in the first service. You know, would you like to see Messi play? 
they know Messi play soccer for Miami. The tickets are like in the thousands right now to get one ticket. How exciting would it be? I would be happy to have like way up in the nosebleed section with binoculars watching Messi. That would be amazing to have that. You know what I mean? Something about being in the ballpark of what could happen in the last days. I want to be part of that. I don't want to not know. I don't have to know it all. I want to hold my heart open for the return of Yeshua. Jesus, you could look like a beggar. I want, to, I want to be, my heart to be open that I will see you. You could come as a lamb of God. I want to have enough tenderness to receive you. You can come as a roaring lion of the tribe of Judah. I want to have enough humility and fear of God that I would embrace you in that time. The first introduction of the Holy Spirit to the church, as we know it in Acts chapter 2, there were 120 Jewish people gathered in the upper room. The whole, we know the story. The Holy Spirit fell. What happened that day was not just a momentary experience. It was speaking of what the fullness of what is yet to come. So these 120 people received momentarily a certain fullness of the Holy Spirit. They started speaking in tongues. And when they did this, it says, devout Jewish men from every nation under heaven were gathered in Jerusalem. They heard this noise and they came running to find out what it is. When they came, they heard them speaking the glories of God in their own language. The very first manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the body was with 120 Jewish people speaking the glories of God with the languages of every nation under heaven and a representative Jewish person from every nation representing both Jew and the nations to come heard the glories of God. 3,000 were added to the church in that day. 5,000 were added to the church the week after. Come on, this is how the body, the church started. And that was just representation. In Revelation 7, it says, After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, woo, which no one could number of all the nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the land, clothed with white robes, palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God and unto his land. This is what we're going towards. And today, as we sow this financial seed to our lifelines, we don't get, we're, we're not doing anything with that money here. We're sending it to bless the hope that each one of them have for their ministry and their vision. But we're also participating in the scope of, the, of worldwide redemption. <sighs> Come on, let's stand to our feet. Ushers, if you're ready, you can come forward. Let's get our, make our, get our offerings ready to sow in. Thank you, Lord. And we'll, as we're receiving the offering, we'll worship together. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this day that you have marked for us as a community, for us as a church, experiencing the love of God and giving it away and longing for your return as we do. We bless the harvest of the nations. Somehow take this little seed, God, and accomplish your redemptive plans for the nations. We may be, that we may have joy when we are part of that innumerable company that surround the throne of God singing salvation belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. 
So we bless this offering in Jesus' name. As the back buckets are going, come on, let's worship the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Whatever declaration you want to make. We will shout for your praise. With every with every we will shout for your glory. baskets bring it up we want to we want to present it to the Lord and pray over it and bless it thank you God we thank you for this holy moment today thank you father 
we did this in the first service as well and I asked some of our young people to come and hold it up because this is about generations to come. God, we're sowing not only to the hope of impacting our culture, but we, with the scope of advancing the gospel of the kingdom of God. God, we thank you for these strategic seeds, this offering, which represents the fruit of our lives. We sow into advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth so that out of the fullness of salvation of the nations, all Israel will be saved. And together we will see a global harvest and you will gloriously return to us. So we come on, just stretch out to this offering. So we bless this offering to be clothed with the gospel of the kingdom of God, that it will accomplish every good work in the nations and in the generations to come. The last, let's just declare the last words of our Bible together. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Again, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. One more time, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just give the Lord a great shout of praise. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb of God. here that's represented in our body we have heroes of faith serving the Lord hidden heroes of faith we just bless every single one we bless every parent holding together the kingdom of God to be manifest for your children you are on a mission if you're a parent come on just lay hands on yourself lay hands on your spouse if your spouse is here we bless every parent you are part of the mission because we are holding the line. It is a battle. It is a battle. We are holding the line against all evil plans of the enemy so that our next generation will be preserved for the glory of God, prepared for every good work. 
Come on, just bless the person next to you. All of us have been commissioned where we work, where we go to school, our businesses. We're all part of this commissioning to be missionaries here in Harrisburg and the surrounding region. So we bless you as our community. Hallelujah. In Yeshua's name, in Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah.